Welcome to Unpleasant Movies, the podcast dedicated to harsh and unrelenting cinema. I'm Svara Okor. And my name is Thomas Simonsen Bambra. And today we're discussing a movie called Safe from 1995, directed by Todd Haynes and starring Julianne Moore. And it depicts a woman's health issues. She's young, she's rich, she's married, and she's living a sort of meaningless existence. And the movie basically deals with her escalating health issues, real or imagined. It's, it's a bit unclear. Yeah, there's stuff happening that seems um, it's escalating, but um, she's not getting any clear answers from her physician and uh, psychologist. It's, I kind of think of it as sort of like a, a health horror movie. Yes, uh, it's um, not a very common genre no. of movie. I think it's a very particular take. Uh, it's a very uneasy film. Yeah, and very beautiful. Um, very well crafted, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think well acted. It's all around very well produced. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, in my opinion, like the general sense of theme I get from the movie is sort of a sort of sort of the horror of modern life. Yeah, and also like the horrors of the unknowable kind of like, definitely. Uh, I feel like today there's a, a a lot of people I know who have issues with their allergies and yeah. um, digestion, and they they keep going to the doctors and they don't get yeah. any good answers. <laughs> Absolutely, I think it's at at its core, it's a very sort of a modernist uh, problem. You know, the the there's so much we don't know yet. Like we have more knowledge than ever, and yet we know so little, and I think uh, that cuts to the very core of what this movie is about. It's mm. just this sense of estrangement in a world that's so dense and difficult to know, mm. and yeah. also just modern living. Like we're so distanced from modern living. It seems is the feeling of Carol, the main character of this movie. Yeah, and uh, and with with all the material wealth you could hope or ask for. Absolutely. Uh, you're like, still kind of helpless. Uh, it starts off just showing these beautiful, lavish, you know, uh, houses mm. in Los Angeles. Probably extremely expensive, right? Mm. With these vast interiors, beautifully decorated for its time. It's uh, set in 1987, I believe. Okay. Um, and despite all the trappings of wealth, she seems just really disassociated from well, everything going yeah, on. Yeah, she has like, a, it kind of feels like a meaningless uh, existence. Like the, the first problem she has seems to be uh, like she's ordered a couch, yeah. but it's the wrong color. She has to get a new one. That's, yeah, th that's the main problem in her life. And it's interesting. I think, I think for me, the thing that really drove home her meaningless existence and the vapidness of her life was that she has a son, but he's not shown until like 23 minutes into the movie. Yeah. It's just she seems so isolated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From her uh, she, she, husband, she's like she's like a homemaker, but she doesn't really have to do anything. Like she, they have the, the the people working for them, doing all the stuff and organizing the day of the sun. Yeah. And uh, uh, the husband is away working all the time. They seem to have. I mean, it's not as if it's uncaring, but it's disconnected. There's a distance uh, between them, definitely. Yeah. And and I don't think the husband really understands his wife at all. No, absolutely he, not. He cares to a certain extent, I think. Yeah. He shows affection, and yeah. I don't think he's shown as uncaring, but she, the woman, Carol, is just really difficult to understand. Mm. As a viewer of the movie, you don't really 
feel like you're getting inside her head. She no, seems no. very hard to get into. Yeah, yeah, and also her situation. It's, it's because it's so undefined. It's difficult to know whether it's like psychosomatic or if it's a genuine health issue. Absolutely. Uh, like it begins. I think it's quite well foreshadowed. A lot of things that happen in this movie. It begins with uh, just them driving to their mansion. Yeah. And then she gives a slight cough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's true. Like, that's oh, the first sound yeah, uh, from it's, her. It's cold in this garage yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then there, uh, there starts to be more coughing. Uh, well, at some point, scene, she's driving yeah. uh, and, and behind some uh, truck with like yeah. uh, lots All of the fumes, dust, yeah, dust the and dust, fumes yeah. coming uh, right in her face. And then she starts coughing. Yeah. And I think uh, a thing I thought about it's it seemed so disingenuous like the coughing seemed so fake in a way because well as some as someone who has asthma mm. <laughs> that's not really what it sounds like yeah but also it seems like she can't control it it seems out of her grasp in a way but almost it's a it's a difficulty with breathing as well like yeah. she's sitting there and it is really nicely done because she's she starts just driving along the road normally and then yeah. the fumes come in and then she drives to an underground parking lot yeah. when like their coughing fit uh, strikes and she's like, she's coughing and seems to be having difficulty breathing while the camera starts to shake a bit and everything yeah. gets disorientated. Uh, yeah, it's it's the, really... Um, you, you get a sense that there's a lot of things going on inside her head mm. and that she has a lot of emotions she can't control. Mm. Uh in general, she seems like life seems to spiral out of control for her, and she's unable to deal with whatever is ailing her. Yeah, um, and she also seems disconnected to the people around her. She has like her her friends, a circle of friends. They do aerobics together. They do different stuff yeah. like baby showers. But she's always kind of outside the group in a way. And it uh, seems extremely superficial. Yeah, her com- conversations with her friends. Mm. It just seems like there's no connection to any real person there at all. Mm. Uh, and in general, I would say this movie is really, it gives you an uneasy feeling, I think, because yeah. there's so little real warmth or connection in the movie at all, yeah, I think. Yeah. And it just, it creates a very tense atmosphere that I think is very well uh, conjured up because there's such a, yeah, such a distance between every character in this movie. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. especially Carol. And it's, everything's very sort of clean and composed Absolutely. And, uh, and correct. And I think it, and it, it vibes very well with the mm. sort of modern, dystopic almost yeah. uh, sense, of, sense of isolation and, and uh, mm. uh, estrangement from the modern world. It brings to mind uh, Radiohead's OK Computer. Yeah, that's true. Which is a sort of a feeling of just a modern person just surrounded by this world that's so difficult to understand, that's going so fast... That is, there's so much shit happening and you're just unable to do anything personally with it. You just, you can't change it. It's inexorably moving forward and you're just caught in this uh, vortex of future almost. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. just very uneasy. It creates a very tense atmosphere. Actually, maybe the entire album, OK Computer, has a similar sense to this film. Yeah, uh, and I thought about it because yeah. it's uh, roughly the same time period as well, yeah. the mid-90s, yeah. yeah. which is, you know, seemingly uh, a time of great, you know, economic wealth, uh, productivity, growth and development yeah, yeah. in it's Western post, countries. Yeah, uh, it's post-Cold War era. Absolutely. So uh, in some ways a peaceful uh, era for the West. Yeah, <laughs> a sense of social justice, a sense of... The 90s were a very comfortable decade, I think, for a lot of people, but also 
that sort of idea that it, things were supposed to be good, I think, made a lot of people who felt isolated and alone and scared of uh, the future feel even more alone and isolated, I guess. Although the movie takes place in 1987, the feeling I get from it is more like towards the 90s and it's made in the mm, 90s. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like an 80s movie, like no, a typical... Like, I mean, there's some synth and there's some aerobics that yeah, are yeah, very yeah. 80s, but I don't think the time has very much to do with it, except in one thing, and that's... Uh, the AIDS crisis, which was yeah. more prevalent in that time period, That's true. Yeah. which the movie does touch upon. And I've read that her disease, if it's not AIDS, it's it's sort of symbolic for AIDS, maybe. Yeah. As sort yeah, of a yeah, yeah. great unspoken mm. malaise uh, of the society yeah. in which it takes place. Yeah, I mean, in, in that way, it, it recalls um, a few other films that... Uh, in directly or indirectly touch on age as this kind of... Uh, um, AIDS? Uh, yeah, I said age. <laughs> age. <laughs> as age of AIDS, AIDS as a um, malaise that's attacking from somewhere unknown. Some, like the yeah. fly is kind of like an AIDS parable. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, and that's... AIDS is just a great parable in general for the un- uneasiness of, of modern life because it's such, at the time, it was so unknowable and so difficult yeah. to deal with. There was mm. no cure. It was seemingly just a plague from nowhere. Yeah. Um, and I think that really ties in with the general sense of estrangement in mm. this movie. Yeah. It, I'm, I don't think it's about AIDS, but I know that the director has was part of the new queer cinema of the 90s, and he has yeah. dealt with themes before. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Well, as you mentioned, Velvet Goldmine is... Uh, yeah, which definitely uh, deals with a lot of queer themes. Yeah. Um, mm. And a movie I quite liked. Yeah. It was actually meant to be a David Bowie a biopic. Oh, really? But uh, Bowie didn't want to have anything to do with it, mm. which I think, in a way, was good, because it meant that a lot of the music in the movie are other great glam bands from the era that yeah, seldom yeah, yeah. gets... A spotlight like rock's music and early Brian Eno and shit. Yeah. Great mm. music. But, but it, it kind of makes it more unique when it's not like a bio thing. Yeah, definitely. It, f- it felt more, mm. I don't know, it had its own charm in a way. Yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of biopics in general. So, Well, they tend to follow a very specific uh, formula. Yeah. Tend to win Oscars. <laughs> well, <laughs> some types of Oscars. <laughs> but um, yeah, the music in this film is also very good. It's quite airy. And um, it doesn't take so much place, but it creates a mood of uneasiness. That's very absolutely. Pleasant. It's not yeah. very prevalent in the movie at all. But when when it's there, it's very atmospheric and mm. it's very, it's a quite synth heavy, but quite light at the same time. Mm. Uh, it quite reminds me of Evangelis' uh, soundtrack. Of, well, not uh, as bombastic. Well, not epic. everything Evangelis has done is bombastic. That's but true, but his signature sound is quite. Um, well, the, the specifically the synth synth synth. Specifically, <laughs> the synth sounds are quite appealing in that Vangelis way, but yeah, it's very yeah. understated. Yeah, yeah. Which works well. I think the movie in general is super understated. Mm. Spe- specifically, like in the beginning, there's so much conversations going on where there's just so much implied. They never say things yeah. outright. Well, like the relationship between a husband and wife. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the first time you really see them up close, they're having sexual intercourse. Yeah. And you just see his um, back and uh, her face. And they're not really connecting at all. No. They're they in two the, different men- mental yeah. levels. Yeah, yeah. And she seems um, 
she's not uh, miserable exactly, but she's she's not really connecting with him intimately. No. And he's really focused just on his own thing. And uh, I think in general, she just doesn't know what to do or what to feel or yeah. how to act. And, and she, she just acts very robotic. Yeah. And... Uh, like with the with the son that's not in the movie until like twenty three minutes in, mm. there's so much that isn't shown, mm. and uh, she has a conversation with her friend, and you're not really sure what it's about. It's not until later that you really understand that her friend's brother died apparently. But the the conversations are very voyeuristic in a way, because they're not so expository, as a lot of movies make dialogue. You know. They really feel quite natural in a sense because movie dialogues are often very expository. Like well, it's it's interesting though because this conversation also kind of touches on the themes. Like her friend says, uh, "It just feels so unreal." She's talking, of course, about yeah. the relative who's died, but um, but it's also like subtext for the movie. I think uh, absolutely. Yeah, and. Um, fair amount of the dialogue has that function i feel i think thematically it's very strong there's a lot yeah, of foreshadowing yeah. and a lot of yeah. small details like mm. um eventually she gets very uh, suspicious about fumes and yeah. chemicals yeah, right because yeah. she sees these adverts and yeah. these notices on the uh, post notices on the walls yeah which is like some organization and they're like yeah. Are you allergic to the modern world? Yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Very like a sect, really, mm. very new age. But you see, earlier before all these things are apparent, you see um, her husband. He uses like a deodorant spray, yeah. and he uses a hairspray, and it's mm -hmm. just very excessive, mm -hmm. and it feels a bit uncomfortable. But it's not until later you understand the importance of it yeah, i mean if you went back and saw it again i think you'd pick up a lot of things that point to uh, the specific uh, problems that uh, these uh, health gurus uh, talk about absolutely so. there's also a scene where she's watching tv late at night and yeah. it, and um yeah. there's a documentary about deep environmentalism or something yeah. and that ties in later with the mm. whole new age movement she later uh, gets involved with yeah 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 because she moves to a reservoir uh, not like, a reservoir, no, a in, uh, sort of a resort. Yeah, that's what I meant. She, she moves, moves, to, a, she moves uh, to a health resort, yeah, health resort. Uh, that's sort of not connected to any chemicals or natural things. Yeah. And it's very all very new age. And it's all very L.A. too. It sort of, it, it's sort of reminiscent of uh, the Church of Scientology's uh, anti-drug programs. Mm. It's all very sleek and well-produced, and it's all very meant to draw in young, rich people from L.A. into these, into spending money, basically. Yeah, it's interesting. They don't actually talk about money in terms of this place, but you get the sense that it's probably costing a lot for her to stay there. Well, you see, um, there's one scene in particular towards the end of the movie where she sees the, where she, they, they look at the giant mansion above yeah. this resort. Yeah, and it's just huge and lavish, and and that's interesting because it's you know it's subtle. It's, it's not subtle. as if they, they're saying so much about the uh, economic aspect, but they're just pointing to look. This is where the guy who owns this place lives. Exactly, and, and it's there. very it's very subtle and it's very understated yeah. and it's very well done. It's mm. very it's an extremely mm. smart movie, I think. Mm. It's, and and it's, it's interesting at this place as well because. She comes there and they're all talking about a community and taking care of each other. But they're yeah. all still very isolated. They live in their own like boxed homes. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, it doesn't feel 
like any one of them are connecting and like the individual stories that you learn about the people there are all very strange uh, except towards the end there's like there's one guy who's uh, connecting with her a little bit uh, yeah and then this this very particular figure who's uh, not really a character you only see him once or twice in the background and he's wearing this costume this which completely isolates his body from the uh, environment um, yeah he's called lester yeah, i think yeah. and he's just shown just weirdly walking in the background yeah, and yeah. he's just commented upon us uh he's actually i have a quote here yeah he's commented upon and the guy talking to Carol says, he's afraid to eat, he's afraid to breathe. Mm. Like, he's just in such terror of the world. Yeah. He's wearing this protective suit around him, and yeah, it looks yeah. totally weird. And, like, and he's not really commented upon further than that. Mm, it's mm. just sort of in the background, yeah, but very thematically important to the movie, yeah. I think. And he's almost like a monster from a horror movie. He, w- he moves <laughs> yeah. so weirdly. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. if this was a straight-up horror movie, you would have thought that this guy would, like, have... A vendetta or some that he would act out like some sort of frustration yeah he's uh, sort of like a creature from beyond the grave mm. or something and he's on the cover of the movie actually yeah. which is interesting and again shows the importance of him i think yeah. uh, because in some ways he feels like he's the the, the possible uh, ending point for her yeah, like uh, she has to enclose herself totally from the world that's the nightmare scenario yeah. where she might end up I think maybe like uh, that Lester guy is, is really the person in control of her emotions oh, all yeah. the time yeah. because she's, she does seem just incredibly afraid and mm. she sort of dives into her own fear and feeds it by joining this this group, I think, mm-hmm. which a lot of people do. It's I read that it was criticized for being too positive towards the New Age movement, but okay. I think in fact really? it's quite <laughs> critical. Yeah, it's very critical. They all seem extremely superficial in the movement, too. They're not unkind, of course, but, you know, it seems very dodgy. Well, in particular, what I find dodgy is the tenet that everything physically wrong with you is your own fault. Yeah, that's true. It's very individualistic. And there's this uh, speech giver, there's this um, guru there, this author, and he has, like, AIDS and stuff, and and he's like... Once I learned to not be so negative, <laughs> yeah. I cured myself. Yeah. And it's just such humbug, you know, it's such bullshit. It's, it's interesting oil. also because in some ways it comments upon like the appropriation of like Eastern philosophy or lifestyle and then just packages in this hyper individualistic uh, LA framework that's, uh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's extremely just... symptomatic of uh, those kind of LA uh, new age uh, sect uh, things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where they just kind of culture, yeah, you yeah. you pick and choose from different exotic cultures, mm. uh, sort of uh, religious beliefs uh, mm. and uh, myth mythology, mm. and you romanticize it and you just package it yeah. sleekly and sell it to, you know, kale eating yoga fanatics in yeah, LA. Yeah. yeah, in this way, I, I feel like it, it also kind of criticizes like the materialistic uh, culture of contemporary society. Yeah, yeah, it does. I think it, well, it does criticize the materialistic culture of contemporary society. I think it also criticizes people who are willing to trick people yeah. with fear into basically uh, giving them money. Hmm. It's it's interesting also, these first parts of the movie where you see the interiors of the homes. Yeah. Because they have... Um, 
it's really orderly and nice and they've got all like the series of items they look really beautiful and yeah. totally meaningless all these people have accumulated all this wealth and they're living these luxury homes but it all feels extremely sterile yeah and disconnected and everyone has like housemaids yeah. do everything for them yeah, yeah, yeah and carol is obsessed well, Carol really loves milk. Yeah, it's all she drinks. Uh, which I find interesting yeah. because milk is easily the most unpleasant drink to have in a movie. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> I just think... In what sense? People who drink a lot of milk, I just find it a bit off-putting. Okay. You know? <laughs> well, it's quite... It's not uncommon. It's not uncommon, but it's like... It's a bit weird. And it reminds me of the scene in Gummo. He's drinking milk. Yeah. <laughs> is that when he's in the bathtub? Yeah. yeah. He's drinking milk that's and a, eating spaghetti. That's a good movie as well. Absolutely. And I think we touched upon it in the last uh, oh, yeah. episode. Yeah, we might well have it. But she's so into milk and that's all she drinks. And she tells her physician that. And it turns out she's allergic to milk. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. It's like the things she like, the things she enjoys are the things that makes her ill. There's quite a lot of things that are quite interesting about her. Like at some point after the aerobic session, her friends comment that she doesn't sweat. Yeah. And she seems quite, you know, she's very polite and she seems very fragile. Yeah. It, she um, seems, actually, in my opinion, she seems completely useless. Like she's so useless. She can't do anything. Mm. She's just floating well, helpless, through life. I would say, more than Absolutely helpless. Yeah. Well, useless in the sense that she doesn't really do anything. Mm. She doesn't. She's not there for her family, really. Mm. She's just existing. Mm. And it seems like the smallest things set her off, and she seems incredibly fragile, like she's made of glass. And it's uh, it's exhausting to watch, really. <laughs> yeah. Because you feel, I don't know, I, I think everyone around her feels like they're walking on eggshells. Her circle of friends aren't so much, though. They're doing their own stuff. But she's very disconnected from them. You have yeah. this, as I mentioned before, this baby shower scene, which yeah. is very interesting, I think. Because they're all grouped together, talking, enthusiastic about all the things they're giving to this uh, woman. Yeah, uh, they're communicating in a natural way. Yeah, shallow, but, you shallow, know. Shallow, but natural. Very, like, they seem like regular yeah. people. And then uh, she's taken interest to the, the son of one of the other uh, women. Yeah, and, right. Um, that scene is, is very interesting. Yeah, and, and the son sits on her lap. And she's on the other side of the room than the other women. And then... Um, uh, it's not the son, it's the daughter, it, I think. It's the, is it the and she yeah. asks uh, her if she wants to sit on her lap. Yeah. Mm. And she's like, okay. And then she, uh, Carol is just sitting there and she becomes more and more tense. And uh, eventually it's like she's having a seizure. And the kid is just <laughs> getting really uncomfortable and eventually moves away from her. And then they have to call the ambulance or whatever because she's having a, a panic attack or asthma attack or seizure or whatever it's just a very intense scene there are a couple of really intense scenes in this movie which i find lend the movie a dynamic quality that it really needs to not become too exhausting like the scene where she visits her dry cleaner after having become involved with this uh, organization that ha hates chemicals mm. and she just and she she goes there with her oxygen tank and her mask yeah yeah and there's some fumigation going on or something yeah. in the dry cleaners. And she has a total seizure and yeah. starts bleeding. And it's just this yeah. really intense uh, uh, scene in the in the ambulance. It's just very, mm -hmm. very, very tense and very intense. Yeah, yeah it has a, two or three of these scenes where it uses um, 
like the the vertigo effect or the dolly zoom where yeah. where the camera pulls away while zooms in but it does it very subtly yeah it's, it's not it's like not in like, jaws where it's uh, an extreme yeah. effect yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's quite subtle and you just get the feeling she stays in center but the world room around her, her is yeah. like subtly shifting in perception it's and created it's, a very yeah. uneasy atmosphere yeah yeah Particularly in this scene with with the the girl sitting on her lap, because you could see like the face of the girl is like really she's feeling really unpleasant, while um, Carol is just starting to have this really intense seizure. Yeah, and uh, the women around her aren't really noticing at first, no. and it just builds up very slowly to this really uncomfortable situation. Uh, yeah, I think in general, a lot of people. Well, Carol is creating a lot of unpleasant situations with the people around her in general she often causes like scenes and stuff mm. because of her ailments mm. i find it very interesting like there's a scene towards the end where she's holding a speech and it's just so awkward and you just don't want to be in the room mm-hmm. it's true it's very interesting thematically actually that speech because <clears throat> towards the end of the movie she sort of she sort of parrots what she's learned in this organization yeah. or this resort. Yeah. And it all comes out really stilted and like she's, she hasn't really understood any of it. She just, well, because it's her birthday, right? And yeah. they're, they're, they're asking her to have a speech. And yeah. the things that she's saying, uh, she says, for example, um, uh, what is this precisely? She, she, uh, she didn't know herself or that she felt... Uh, she says, I, I hated myself. Yeah, that's what. Now I came here and I... I'm hopefully learning to think more positively and also education and the environment. And it's like, just bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's basically brainwashed into saying whatever. Yeah, but it's a beautifully Uh, awkward scene. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, and it's around this point that this this other, this younger guy starts to connect with her. And he seems really genuine in a way. Yeah, and they they cook together. Yeah, because they're supposed to have activities... uh, um, yeah, voluntary activities. Yeah, together, yeah. That's nearly the only real human connection yeah, in the entire movie. I yeah, think. it's basically the only thing that feels genuine, yeah. but it's not long-lasting. <laughs> no, it's not long-lasting. It's just towards the end of the movie. And it sort of implies that there there might uh, there could be a romantic connection, but it, mm. it just ends with uh, them walking to her little hut, and then they just part ways. Nothing really yeah, happens. Yeah, and she's alone in that. You have like a close-up yeah. of her. Yeah. And she's she looks really ill. Uh, she looks haggard as yeah. fuck. It's interesting because she she has a transformation quite strong, as you said. She starts working walking around with this respirator and the, yeah oxygen um, tank. Yeah, uh, and her skin starts getting really bad, blotchy, and, and just sores. Mm. She she looks mm. horrible, and I think that may be one of the reasons uh, some people uh, suspect that it's AIDS because mm. she gets sores and she looks really sick. Yeah, it's not just mentally like uh, it shows on her skin and she just looks ill as fuck mm-hmm. um and she yeah that's the ending scene she looks in the mirror and she says i love you i yeah. love you so much yeah as if she's learned to love herself and and she thinks that might solve her issues mm. because as we know that guru said it's all your own fault mm. you know you just gotta think positively mm-hmm. and all your health issues will go away. <laughs> and he's actually quite interesting if you think of him in terms of the, the psychiatrist who visits earlier on. Yeah. Because uh, um, he's like this guy with a really big office. It's a short scene. She's been recommended by her doctor to go see him. Yeah. And um, 
she says, uh, aren't you going to ask me any questions? Yeah. And, and he's he like, says, no, you, yeah. you got to talk to me. Yeah. You know, you yeah. got to open up about what's going on yeah. inside your head. And he doesn't really try very hard. He seems quite uninterested, really. Yeah, but I, I think he's not very impressed with her just extreme unwillingness to open up about anything because that's sort of uh, the theme of the movie. She doesn't really address anything that's yeah. going on inside her head. Maybe, but to me, he seems like... He doesn't he seems seem like very, a bit of a dick. Well, he's unprofessional, I think. Yeah. Like, he doesn't invest in her. I mean, I mean, a lot of people who go to therapy, they need help uh, yeah. talking. You know? Which is interesting because... In a sense, it shows why a lot of people seek alternative medicine yeah. because you get a lot of empathy. You get people who are interested in you. You know, uh, when you see a regular physician, you often don't get a lot of time. They yeah. just uh, see you as quickly as possible and get yeah. on to the next. They have patient, their schedule. Where if you seek, you know, a homeopathy uh, doctor <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I mean, the medicine is all humbug, but you get a lot of placebo effect and you get a lot of empathy, uh, often more empathy than you would from a physician. Yeah, they have a, a, a strong incentive to include you in a way, like yeah. uh, indoctrinate you perhaps. Yeah, but also it's shown that, you know, showing empathy and human yeah. sort of connection it's will important. help yeah. you physically along with the placebo effect. So a lot of people do, I think, get a genuine effect from it, even mm. though... They're being treated by snake oil salesmen and, you know, scam artists. But that's where this retreat really fails. because It's very disingenuous, I yeah. think, and very surface level. It's interesting mm -hmm. because you mentioned the psychologist, and mm -hmm. I think the sort of guru at this resort mm -hmm. is sort of the opposite. He's yeah. very, yeah. he's very, he's like a cool youth pastor, you know? Yeah. I'm here to talk real with y'all. With <laughs> it's just, it But comes. he's talking downwards to them. Like, yeah. he's not talking to them on the level. Well, he's not really trying to communicate with them. He's just yeah. trying to tell them... He's monologuing. ...his, his uh, thesis. Yeah. That is, it's all in your head. It's all in your negative uh, self-image mm. or whatever. And I just hate the guy. He's just such yeah. a dick. Yeah. yeah. He's not very likable. No, but you can see why people are sort of roped into it. Mm. Yeah, no, I really like this movie. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think... Um, a lot of people consider it uh, Todd Haynes' best, and I think it's the one that I've liked the most. Um, I also quite fond of Far From Heaven, yeah, which is a very sort of beautifully made melodrama, also with Julianne Moore in the lead role. Um, and she's great, by the way, in this yeah. movie. She's yeah. great. She's uh, she really carries this movie. Yeah. Um, what do you think the intention of Todd Haynes was with this movie? Well, I think it's uh, touching upon a lot of the themes we were talking about, like the isolation and materialism and yeah. like um, contemporary society, the problems of contemporary society and um, like this loneliness of disease that you can't understand. Yeah. Like, uh, um, it feels, yeah, it's a very uneasy movie. Yeah. Uh, not so explicitly unpleasant, like, um, you don't see so much like visually disturbing things there directly. There are a couple of things, but it's mostly just really tense. Yeah, and and continuously it doesn't really let up. There's Never. not humor to make you laugh. I mean, you can laugh a little bit of like the um, uh, like the aerobic scenes. That's kind of funny in yeah. its in its setting. But the, uh, the only scene I laughed at, which I think wasn't mm -hmm. supposed to be you know, outright funny mm. was towards the end where she's at the resort and she's walking around 
And she walks up to a road and a car drives by or a truck drives by and yeah. she's just coughing and like, oh, I'm dying. Get me out of here. Yeah. And it's just so stupid. <laughs> like it shows how far cut off from reality she is. Mm. She's just reacting to that like it's going to kill her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's by. quite far away also, isn't it? That car. Well, I don't know if it's too far away, but like, come on. It's, mm. it's just a car driving by, mm. you know. And she reacts like it's the end of the world. Mm, mm. She overreacts to the world, basically. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I agree. I think the the intention of the movie is sort of showing this reaction to modern living or modern emptiness mm. in a sense that I think is a direct continuation of the whole modernist uh, sort of movement of the late 18th century, the late 19th century with, you know, Authors like uh, Dostoevsky and uh, Knut Thompson in Norway, which mm. deal with <clears throat> the sort of mentality of urban living, which is quite a new phenomenon of these major, uh, major cities mm-hmm. and how estranged you are from what has been the normal modes of human existence for hundreds of thousands of years, mm-hmm. which is, I think, exactly the same thing this movie deals with though in a quite different uh context and also seen through the lens of i think the aids epidemic of the uh, 1980s and early Mm, 90s mm. but yeah i i didn't unequivocally like it i thought Mm. it was at times quite boring oh really yeah i didn't feel like that at all i sort of zoned out uh a couple of times when uh, some of the patients Mm. were relaying their stories and i was like oh god i don't well, want to be in this therapy class it's yeah it's kind of slow moving and yeah like you say it's uh, I, I get the feeling like in the therapy class because you're not really they're not so interesting to listen to these no. people um quite boring uh, and and uh vapid people i don't get bored because i it still feels tense like it feels acute continuously i feel, I feel yeah. like there's a reason for it and i feel actually i think the movie or the story would have worked mm. just as well as a short story actually yeah, possibly. Hmm. Because uh, I think... Although I don't feel like it needs to be shot. I don't feel it like overstays it welcome. No, but I think the what I mean by that is that I think the story at its core is quite good. Yeah. I think the the characters are quite good. The setting is quite good. And I think it's very uh, effective. Hmm. And I don't think you'd need a long uh, exposition of it. To get at the core of it. Yeah, well, the plot is very basic. So a lot yeah. of the film is about creating this unease or setting these scenes. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, actually. The film starts with, as you said, this uh, this um, scene where they're driving in the car. Yeah. And it kind of evokes uh, a very dreamy, almost Lynchian vibe. Yeah, that, uh, exactly. I, I, I was remi- thinking the yeah. same, actually. It uh, reminds me really of uh, Lost Highway, Lost Highway. Yeah, and I was thinking Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Well, those Which is films, that Los Angeles uh, yeah. emptiness. And those both of those films came out later, but it really has that vibe. Definitely. Uh, and those movies have also have that sort yeah. of... Uh, main characters which are inexplicably disconnected from uh, their surroundings mm, and mm. and it all feels very there's this sense of darkness in Lynch's movies and especially his Los Angeles movies there's this sense of <clears throat> below the surface of Los Angeles there's this deep and dark vortex of difficult feelings and criminality and sex and power and it's just uh, not shown 
specifically. Yeah. Often there's a very explicit like uh, juxtaposition of the surface level being like glamorous and the underneath uh, society or like uh, character interactions, which are quite disturbing and uh, problematic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the the modern city of Los Angeles. Well, this doesn't take place in the city of Los Angeles, Mm. I think, but in the state, it's like the the modern city is the horror monster, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. the that's the real terror. <laughs> and I think you get the same in uh, in um, Lynch's uh, Los Angeles movies. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But yeah, I liked it, but I thought it was slow moving at times. But I think I think uh it's well worth a watch, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. A modern classic, I would say. <laughs> a modern classic. Yeah, definitely. And I've only seen Velvet Goldmine and this movie of Todd Haynes. And I would say they're quite different. So oh, yeah. I would say he's yeah. a really interesting director. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as we usually do, let's have a couple of uh, unpleasant recommendations. Yes. Uh, do you have anything to recommend for me and the audience, Svade? I do, actually. Um, I was thinking about this earlier today. And there's a band which make some very unpleasant music. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. It's um it's quite difficult to describe, but I would say it's like being shouted at by some drunk guy from Nottingham <laughs> to a really crappy midi beat. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's sort of all their music is like that. And uh the song in particular is called Tied Up in Knots. Mm. And it's <clears throat> basically uh, like I said, it's some guy from Nottingham. Who, well, it's quite uh, interesting. It's sort of like a mix between shouting and rapping. Huh. <clears throat> uh, and he just describes his life as a sort of uh, low-income guy in a society filled with just drugs and alcoholism and lots of shit. Huh. And there's nice. a, there are a couple of lines in the song that are just really really harsh and sort of beautiful but quite unpleasant like uh the smell of piss in the morning not the what is it it's uh the smell of piss in the morning so strong it smells like decent bacon <laughs> or something like that that's it's um, just vile that's vile yeah and the yeah. the chorus is tied up in knots tied up in knots shit and then the dealers tipped off <laughs> <laughs> but what's this band it's it's sleaford mobs okay and it's basically a guy who writes the lyrics and shouts. And there's a DJ who just, uh, he's he stands on stage with a laptop and drinks a beer. Okay. Hmm. And they're what, the early 2000s? Or? No, these are, this is a modern band. Okay. But they're not very young. They're, uh, they're quite, they've been making music for quite a long time, but I think they're in their 40s. Okay, okay. Uh, and it's just a very interesting band. It's a... Hmm. Uh, it's some of the most punk shit I've heard in modern time. It's just okay. so fucking punk. <laughs> because the music is so minimal. It's so minimal. And it's so just no flourishes, no fancy shit. Mm. And it sounds bad. Like mm. the first time I, I heard them, I thought it was a joke band. Okay, It sounds okay. so bad. But like it doesn't take a long while be, be, until you... Under, if, when you get it, it sounds great. Okay. Because it's so fucking punk. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Tied Up in Nuts by Sleaford Mods. Check it out. Sweet. If you want to be shouted at. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Uh, my recommendation is also quite uh, 
minimalistic in uh, its style. It's a 1970s band called Suicide, yeah. which is like this really great um, early synth uh, duo, very performative. Um, it's just this guy on the synth and there's a vocalist. So this is also a duo. Yeah. That's interesting. We yeah. both have <laughs> unpleasant <similar>. duos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, it's not so much as he's shouting at you, but he, he he's relaying a story. The song that I'm uh, talking about is called Frankie Teardrop. Yeah. And it's, um, it's a story about a young father who's a factory worker uh, who has like this really miserable life and he's slowly driven to insanity, suicide and murder. Uh, and it's a 10 minute long song. Murder after suicide? No, well, no, the <laughs> murder happens before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and like this is this primitive synth and this vocalist, which uh, is really, it's really intense. And um, uh, what's the singing style or what's the... Yeah, it's kind of performative. It's yeah. it bears a Is little. It's more it, spoken word yeah, than singing. Well, yeah, yeah. It's a bit repetitive. I mean, he, he repeats uh, some of the phrasings, really slow moving and uneasy, and becomes okay. gradually more and more intense, and it, it just goes insane. And it listening to it feels really heavy. Yeah. Uh, I really like it. It's. Uh, and Suicide as a band also is very interesting. Uh, they had this hit called Dream Baby Dream, which yeah. is uh, much more poppy and enjoyable. But uh, Frankie Teardrop, it's a heavy, uh, heavy song by uh, Suicide. That sounds really interesting. I have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will put in links for the songs uh, in the description yeah, yeah, so yeah. you can listen to them. Check out that unpleasant shit. So yeah, that's been uh, this episode, I think. Yeah. So thanks for listening and uh, stay cool. And unpleasant. Um,